Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Forget your dreams and follow God. That's the title of our message preached today by the Director of Promotions, Reverend Chris Henderson. And if you're interested in forgetting your dreams and following God, our admission cycle (laughs) is currently open for on-campus enrollment. To enroll on campus, visit www.indianabiblecollege.org forward slash apply. And you too can forget your dreams and follow God. Let's turn that hand clap of praise to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, Savior of our souls. your name, Jesus. We glorify your name, mighty God. Lord, you are high and lifted up, Jesus, and your train fills the temple, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Turner, for those incredible words. We'll, we'll go out to eat or coffee or something later for that. Thank you, Sister Abigail, for leading us in praise and in worship. Uh, I I did not know how accurately uh, God would answer my prayers through praise and worship today. But there is a very distinct, very specific word and very specific work that God is looking to accomplish in our hearts today. I have the distinct honor of being the vessel that gets to talk a little bit about it. But it's up to you. And it is, it's my responsibility to talk about it and lay it out there for you. And it's your responsibility as to whether or not you're going to hear, receive, and do what we talk about. So I would, I would like to let you be seated. And I promise we're going to be in Scripture, but I want to get a couple of things out of the way before we dive too deep into Scripture. Because in 2005, a very, very, very different Chris Henderson walked onto the campus of Indiana Bible College as an incoming freshman. And I was ready to take on the world, and I am also both delighted and disappointed that you never got to meet 2005 Chris Henderson. It was was the vision of Pastor and Sister Mooney for Indiana Bible College that facilitated so much change in my life. And in 2005, I'll never forget him asking me to play a small role in a short sermon illustration that he preached during Steadfast Conference. The sermons that he preached and lessons that he lived are forever imprinted on my life and on my ministry. And I will forever be grateful for his sacrifice, for his leadership, for his apostolic authority and integrity demonstrated and imprinted on my life. I will equally, Brother Kilman, always be terrified when any preacher from anywhere in the world says, where's my reader at in the middle of a sermon? Over the past several years, I've also been privileged to watch from a distance and up close the ministry of Brother and Sister Pedagogue. They led exemplary and lead exemplary lives of Christian commitment to simply do what is right. It doesn't matter what is happening in a service. Brother Pedagogue can step to the mic and calm the crowd. 
I am just in awe of that. His ability to minister both in song and in sermon have equally impacted me, and I honor both of them. However, my time from 2005 to 2008 would have ended right there had it not been for Robert L. and J.M. Rodenbush. If it were not for their influence and for their trust, I'm not wholly sure who I would be. In 2008, they extended an offering, the loan offering, for my wife and I to stick around Indiana Bible College and to partner alongside their ministry after my graduation here at Indiana Bible College. They trusted me to accomplish the work that I did not trust myself to do. They coached me through the process, and when I needed growth, they knew exactly how to frustrate that growth out of me. Regardless of what you've heard or what you believe, Robert L. Rodenbush and J. Mooney Rodenbush have forever changed the face of the apostolic movement. It certainly was not sunshine and roses all the time, but it never will be. And this couple deeply contributed to the Chris Henderson that stands before you today. I give them honor. Sitting in this chair right here is Brother Kilman, and I appreciate every time you've come up alongside me and said, man, I, you know you're making a change. You know, you know you're doing something right. You know... So timely, but that's not your seat, Brother Kilman. That's Bishop's seat. And you can sit there because Bishop Rodenbush is not here today, and the investment that he has made into me is something that I cherish dearly and reflect on daily. He and his beautiful bride saw something in my wife and I at a key moment in ministry, and they came alongside us and encouraged us. And it's impossible to quantify everything that those two people have imparted into my life, but I think one of my favorite sayings of his captures it nicely. Chris, I like hanging out with you. I, along with so many others, love that couple dearly. To the Turners, I, I'm going somewhere, I promise. I know exactly what I'm doing. To the Turners, I guess I get old when I remember you as a high school student, freshly minted with a driver's license, and Sister Nikki on an MSA a few years younger of your husband, I met you in Whitehall, Arkansas, and I can say that both of you have led exemplary Christian lives, and God truly is honoring both your sacrifice and your commitment to his kingdom. We love y'all. Dearly, we love y'all. We believe that God has incredible things for y'all. Brother and Sister Galleon, we honor them. Brother Kilman, Brother Sleva, Indianapolis would not look like it does without your fingerprints. We honor you, sir. Brother and Sister Turner, the world would not look like what it does without your fingerprints. Y'all, we are so blessed at Indiana Bible College to have a staff like this. I am jealous of you because the, the caliber of people that you have that you can go sit down at the cafeteria with, that you can hang out with, that you can partner alongside to learn from is absolutely incredible. Every one of us has that minister, right? That preacher, that worship leader, that missionary that we, that we admire from afar, and every now and then we're afforded the opportunity to serve the king and his kingdom alongside that minister. Such is the case with myself and our pastor, Brother Carson. I respect he and his family greatly, and I'm so honored to be a part of his staff doing what he thinks is 
best for Indiana Bible College. Now, I realize that I've taken a little bit of time here, but I also realize that you you have this kind of uh, air of separation. Time and faithfulness are really the only things that separate us from y'all. And I want, I, want, I want to help you during that time and during that separation, during that faithfulness. I want to help you kind of bridge that separation. And I realize that God speaks to everyone in a slightly different way. And, and I want to challenge you that you need to tune in to how God speaks to you. Because I've said it once before and I'll say it again. God has a, an extremely specific word to deliver and an extremely specific work to accomplish here today. Genesis chapter 42 verses 5 through 9. Genesis 42, 5 through 9. We'll read and then we will pray and then we will take off and land as quickly as we possibly can because lunch. Verse 5, and the sons of Israel came to buy corn. Among those that came for the famine was in the land. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. Scripture is very clear in our text. Joseph remembered the dream. I want to preach to you a generation of dream chasers. Forget your dreams and follow God. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, and let your voices roar? Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you have inspired, protected, kept, and delivered your word to us. And we acknowledge that you have a sovereign work to do in this building, God. That you have a specific word for our lives today, Jesus. And we recognize that without you, we are nothing, God. But we're so grateful to be a part of your kingdom and a part of your glory. So I ask God that you would open our ears, Jesus, to hear, open our hearts to receive, open our minds to do and what we hear and understand. God, we'll be quick to give you praise and glory and honor for it. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, forget your dreams and follow God. So often in our modern society, we are told through inspirational Instagram accounts and through blog posts and through hit songs to follow your dreams. We're instructed to just let your heart lead the way, and it's even echoed across the halls of churches and services around North America. Young people, follow your dreams and dream big. However, I want to challenge you. I want to convict you and I want to convince you to forget your dreams and to follow God. Because if you follow your dreams, if you follow your heart, if you are the one dreaming big, then you are the one in charge. However, when we follow the dreams of God, when we follow the heart of God, when we allow God to dream big, then he is in charge of our lives. And I want to let you know that when God is in charge of your lives, everything changes. I'm sent on assignment here today to remind you of God, that God's dreams and God's promises come true. Period. End of 
conversation. His promises are yea and amen. He has never failed and he will never fail. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today and he is the same forever. It is my assignment to convince you that God's promises come true. Yes, they do. His promises come true. It doesn't matter how long ago the promise was made, they come true. It doesn't matter the situation that you're in and you're currently experiencing, they come true. It doesn't matter what the naysayers say and what the critics say, his promises come true. It doesn't matter the desperation of your situation, his promises come true. God had given this dream. God had given this dream to, Mo, to Joseph nearly two decades before its fulfillment, 20 years before its fulfillment. And quite frankly, the fulfillment of these dreams seemed impossible until the day that 10 Hebrew men walked back into Joseph's life after 20 years of gone. God's promises come true. If God has to move the whole entire geopolitical situation of the most powerful nation on earth at that time to keep just one of his dreams alive and fulfilled in the life of Joseph, Joseph, I am here to tell you that he will move the entire geopolitical system of today's world to keep just one dream that he has promised you to come pass. God has never failed. God will never fail. And he is able to keep that which he promised. Oh, but I was so young when that dream happened. Joseph was a teenager. Yeah, but every time I turn around, I face opposition. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Yeah, but I know God can keep his promise, but every time I do right, I'm rewarded with evil. Joseph ran away from a woman trying to do things that shouldn't be done to Joseph, and he still ended up in, prim, prom, uh, in prison. God's promises come true. God's promises never fail. And it seems like in our lives today, maybe you've never, ex never experienced it, but a very different 2005 version of Chris Henderson walked into these doors. It seems almost as if we lead two lives, two separate lives, before Indiana Bible College, maybe even during and maybe even after. Every one of us may remember certain aspects of our childhood. Many recall the sights and sounds and smells of a favorite local restaurant. And while some young adults opt to strike out from their sleepy hometowns in favor of the larger metropolis, others prefer the quietness of a rural settlement compared to the hustling, bustling city that they grew up in. People move. Lives change. Dreams are forgotten. Time and circumstance have a way of crowding out memories and dreams that we once held dear. The familiarity of our lo favorite local coffee shop is replaced with a new memory in our new hometown. And when the physical reminders of what happened disappear in our lives, it becomes more difficult to recall the memories that we once had. And this is part of the importance of altar building in your life. Because when you walk down to an altar at Indiana Bible College and you consecrate, when you walk back into this chapel as an alumni, the smell will remind you of your altar. The sights 
will remind you of the moves of God that you had in your life, but I'm here to tell you that we've got to build more than just physical memorials in our heart. We've got to build mental memorials that we can return back to every time when the times get tough, when when the faithfulness is being stretched, we've got to be able to go back to the memory of I know that God called me. I know that God gave me this dream. I know that God spoke this word directly to my situation of where I was at. I'm here to tell you Indiana Bible College to forget your dreams and to follow God. This removal of reminders resonates especially with me because it seems like, as I've already said, I live two lives, pre-2005 and post-2005. Prior to moving to Indianapolis, my wife and I lived in Houston, Texas, Pasadena Deer Park to be more specific. And from 1984 to August of 2005, things like Whataburger. Mm, somebody knows. Casa Shakespeare's Coffee. These were restaurants that I could frequent in different places around the city that I could remember. Leah and I came here on our rehearsal dinner, Texas Land and Cattle. And all of our friends and our family gathered in support of the union of our lives in marriage. And for that, I'm grateful. But lest I should forget, I have to have more than Texas land and cattle in my life. To remind me of the support of the families and friends for Leah and I. I can take you to Morgan's Point and the Pasadena shooting range, and the Pentecostals of Pasadena, and there through the physical reminders present, recall to you in detail the events that took place there. But in 2005, my wife and I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, and we did not realize the significance of this move in that it would forever remove us from these physical reminders and relationships. In many ways, it seems like I've lived two lives And there are, of course, common threads between the two, and I always enjoy finding where they intersect. But imagine Joseph. Imagine Joseph, the son of Israel, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And it seems like when we read the story of Joseph, he has so many more lives than all of us combined. Consider some highlights from his story. Joseph, in Genesis 33, we find, was there when Esau was reconciled to Israel. He must have been awestruck, Joseph must have been, when his father spoke about a dream of a ladder. Perhaps this conversation with his dad is what sparked his curiosity about the power of dreams anyway. During his teenage years, Joseph lived in Canaan with his mom and dad, and undoubtedly, it's here that he learns the trade of tending the flock. We all know the story. We're Bible college students. In his late teens, Joseph is forced into Hard Knocks University when his own flesh and blood say, ah, here's Uncle Ishmael. Let's sell him to his family. Picture it. He wakes up a free son of promise in the morning. And when he goes to sleep that night, he's a captive of his uncle Ishmael's family. Maybe while serving in Potiphar's house, Joseph could, in the recesses of his mind, pull up the comforting smell of the flock. He could find stowed away in his memory a conversation with his dad about how God had blessed Israel and Rachel while they worked on Papa Laban's farm. No doubt Joseph longed for similar blessings in his life. He'd heard that 14 years was just a fleeting moment for a hopeless romantic in love. But Joseph found no love. Joseph had no beauty of his own. Joseph had little hope 
And perhaps every now and then through the course of his mundane life as a slave, he was reminded of home, but without being surrounded by the familiarity of home, it's extremely possible he just forgot. The longer he went without the smell of the flock, the touch of the wool, the taste of mom's home cooking, the more difficult it became to remember what it was like. Regardless of his propensity to let slip from his memory the comforts of home, his integrity invokes trust from his owner. And all at once, and not all at once, but in a single day, little by little, his life gets better. His responsibilities grow, his influence grows, and he, no doubt, resolves that his life is not terrible. And maybe, just maybe, he even begins to believe like his father Israel did. God has blessed me. And then, not little by little, but all at once, his world turns upside down. And what's worse is that this drastic downturn of events is caused by no fault of his own. He wakes up in the morning as a trusted leader in Potiphar's house, and he goes to sleep accused of defilement in a prison, falsely accused. Two years in a prison cell crowd out the pleasantries of Potiphar's house. The stench of the dungeon leaves little reminder of the smell of the flock of his youth, and while his integrity remains, his hope seems lost. His new life in the prison presses out memory of his uncle and dad greeting each other in a forgiving embrace. His new circumstances crowd out the satisfying memories of playing with old little Ben, his little brother. But he can still remember the sweet relief felt when lying down flat after a hard day of back-breaking work in Potiphar's house. He can still remember the grace that he saw in Potiphar's eyes when he made him ruler of the house in Genesis 39. But time and circumstance have a way of crowding out the memories and dreams that we once held dear. For us, it may seem easy to understand why Joseph's brothers despised his dream. It's important that we realize that Scripture does not express Joseph knew why, though. The only thing Joseph was doing was sharing what he was so excited about, this new revelation that God had given him that one day everyone would be bowing to him. And even his dad wasn't all that pleased about the dream. Joseph just told the people that he could trust. He wasn't out blabbing it to the Moabites. He wasn't out telling it to the neighbors. It was just his family that he was sharing his dream with. And in prison, I doubt if Joseph lived with remembrance of bundles of wheats and stars bowing down to him. It's likely that he forgot his dream, but it is unlikely that he forgot to follow while in prison, Joseph captures, captures a glimpse of redemption through two servants of Pharaoh. And while his integrity remains, his hope seems lost because yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Two long years, 24 torturous months, 104 desolate weeks, 17,520 excruciating days, Joseph waits. And while he waits, his dreams of a life shepherding on the Canaanite hillside are lost. He can no longer recall the touch of fresh wool on his skin, and maybe even he has put out of his memory the pleasantries of serving in Potiphar's house. He forgets about his dreams, but he follows his God. And then, not little by little, but all at once, his world is changed again because Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph's friend, the chief butler, suddenly remembers his error and tells Pharaoh, 
who it is that can figure out what this dream Pharaoh had means. So Joseph, who has experienced more during his 30 short years than many may experience in an entire lifetime, stands before the most powerful man in the world. And at 30 years old, he stands with his dreams forgotten and his heart set on following God. He stands in his integrity, doing what he has always done. Genesis 41 tells us that Joseph stands to glorify God and to speak with understanding to Pharaoh. And as students of the Bible, we're all familiar with what happens next. The interpretation, the exaltation, the seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. And once again, Joseph woke up in the prison and he lays his head in a palace that night. He had forgotten his dreams, but he was following God. And all of this brings us to our text. Here sits a 37, 38-year-old Joseph, second only to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. He's living his best life. He's got a wife now. He's got two kids. And if you look at the names, uh, Joseph's pretty happy with life. And in walk 10 Hebrews, Hebrews, as we all know, dress a little bit differently than everybody else. They look a little bit different than everybody else. And the Egyptians thought that these guys were a little bit of an abomination. So it's no doubt that as Joseph sits there, he it was that sold the corn. As people walk up to Joseph and they bow, Joseph, can we get some, some corn? I don't know, Scripture doesn't say, but allow a little bit of interpretation because there's a long line of people and out in the distance there's a little relic from the past. As they get closer, I can only imagine Joseph's heartbeat gets a little faster. Who who are these guys? There's only 10 of them. Maybe they're not my brothers. Oh, nope, that's Judah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I remember you, Simeon. Benjamin, where's Benjamin? Is Benjamin there? Oh, Benjamin's not there. I'll have to ask about Benjamin. I don't know what was going through Joseph's mind, but when his brothers came before him and bowed a knee, Scripture is explicit. Joseph remembered the dreams. Don't miss the gravity of this. After being rescued from a pit, cast out of Potiphar's house, thrown into prison, and an extremely fortunate turn of events living in the palace, then he remembers his dreams. With his wife and two kids at home, he remembers his dreams. Standing in an Egyptian robe with his head shaved and in a place of power, he remembers his dreams that God gave him all those years ago. Let me remind you, if God has to move the entire geopolitical system of the world in order to fulfill a dream, he will not fail. If God has to move heaven and earth in order to make a dream that he planted into your heart as a Bible college student, let me tell you today, his dreams do not fail. His promises will come to pass. His word will come to pass. He will do it. But what you've got to understand is that you can't follow your dreams. You've got to forget your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations. You've got to lay them down on an altar and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You've got to take up your cross daily and say, Lord, if this is the path that you've given me, then I'm going to walk this path in my integrity through your power. If you have to say day after day, month after month, year after After a year, 17,520 excruciating days of loneliness, you've got to say, God, in my integrity, I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to follow your will. Oh, hear me today. You've got to make up deep in the recesses of your mind that I am going to follow God. 
You've got to make up in your heart that nothing in this world can deter my focus. Nothing that this world has to offer. No hurt, no bitterness, no pain, no anguish can separate me. Not height, not depth, not angels, not principalities. Nothing shall be able to separate me from my love for God. I'm going to follow Christ through good times. I'm going to follow Christ through bad times. I'm going to follow Christ when I'm on the mountain top and I'm going to follow Christ when I'm in the valley. I'm going to follow Christ when people are singing praises and I'm going to follow Christ when it's just me alone in a prison singing to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. I'm going to follow God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have got to make up in our hearts that we are following God. That we are forgetting our dreams and we are following God. That's that's all I got to say today. Forget your dreams and follow God. Forget aspirations of leading worship at NAYC and follow God. Forget aspirations, seniors, of getting hired at a good church where you and your wife are going to go do the piano and you're going to do the youth and y'all are going to take over the church. Forget your dreams and follow God. Forget about what happens if you go home after sophomore year because you feel like you've tapped out Indiana Bible College for all that it's worth and you can go home and you can you can be a, a, a young person and just sit on the pew and help your pastor out. I'm for sitting on the pew and helping your pastor out if that's what God has called you to do. But forget your dreams and follow God. It's going to take you walking through some dark, desolate, lonely valleys because what God has got to do is try your character. What God has got to do is make sure that he gets the glory. Sister Buckberger, that's what I'm talking about. Lord, you get the glory in everything I say, in everything I do. I want you to get the glory. In every action that I take, I want you to get the glory. Forget your dreams, and follow God. Musicians, you you can come. I want you to do that last song. I text you. I don't know if you got it. I want you to do that last song that we did. But I want to leave you with a story. It's a story I, I didn't write. Elliot Park wrote this story. The soldier and the oak. This is a story that began long, long ago. I was a young oak seed in the dark Missouri soil, and like all other saplings, I had dreams of growing strong and tall. One day, a rebel with a bullet in his chest hung his rifle on my limbs and laid to rest. And there beside me, as the blood soaked to my roots, the soldier sang a song of grace. The heavy rifle bowed me over to the ground in two years this way. I stayed before the rifle fell. And in this manner, for a hundred years, I grew all my dreams not meant to be. Then one day two men came with a crosscut saw and they spoke of how my arch would hold the weight so strong and I feared not the blade for such a worthy cause. I fell. I gladly fell. Three winter days aboard a northbound train, three more beneath the hewer's careful blade and while he worked, he praised my rich red grain. Perhaps... It was the soldier's blood that day. Now I'm the wooden arch that holds a mighty bell and three stocks before me crack, but I shall never fail. Up in a tall cathedral high above all my dreams of long ago. And on Sunday mornings when I hear the sweet refrain, I see the soldier's face. 
like it was yesterday, calling angels down from heaven with that hymn. He softly sang of God's amazing grace. Indiana Bible College, forget your dreams. Forget what you think. Forget your hopes. Forget your aspirations and allow God to plan your life. I I understand that this seems counterintuitive to everything I do. I carry around a full focus because I am a planner. But when it comes to the long-term goals of life, I cannot plan my dreams. I've got to throw my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations into God's plan because I'm going to tell you, His dreams come true. His promises do not fail. And if you want to bridge the journey from where you are into this place of ministry, into whatever we have to offer, it's going to take you forgetting your dreams. And it's going to take you following God. You can stand all over this place. I'm going to I'm going to end with an extremely personal story. And I, I you know the drill. I, I don't have to I don't have to say these altars are open. You understand. These altars are open. If you want to turn at any time and just start praying and and find a place to say God not 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 my dreams, not my hopes, not my plans, God, but your will be done in my life. You're welcome to do so whenever you want. For those of you who are not quite ready, allow me to share this. Many of you remember August 4th, 5th, and 6th, 2015. There was a record heat index in Oklahoma City. It was hot. Students stood outside the Chesapeake Arena, uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena, in the scorching heat, and twelve-year-old students were passing out left and right. Says some of you may have been passing out left and right. Some of you also received a confirmation of a call during those days, a dream. And in other hearts, seeds of ministry were planted and took root in your life. I remember this event for a completely different reason than what you remember this event for. IBC had gotten its hands on a t-shirt launcher. And for the very first time in my life, I stood on a North American Youth Congress stage proud. And I shot t-shirts under the anointing of God like no one's ever launched t-shirts at Indiana or at North American Youth Congress. But North American Youth Congress 2015 was, for all intents and purposes, slated to be my last Indiana Bible College event. After seven years of working at Indiana Bible College, things just seemed to not work out. And at some level, I feel like six years is enough time for me to just be real. Everything that could have gone wrong did during North American Youth Congress. The structure that we aimed to build for the booth called for 12 feet of ceiling clearance, so I called the arena, inquired about it several times, and The rep assured me that there was plenty of room. We arrived to 10 feet ceilings. Booth scratched. On Tuesday, before we ever left Indianapolis, after a mock build right back here in the chapel, we sat in the box truck pulling out of the Brzezinski's house, we lived there at the time, turned out of the Brzezinski's house, and before we reached the stop sign, 
the interior of the box truck was covered in fire extinguisher dust. The fire extinguisher had been triggered inside the box truck, windows up. It was a phenomenal start to a promising youth congress. During load-in, we locked the keys inside the truck with a padlock and had to find a place to get some bolt cutters from security. Now, again, many of you know me. I value efficiency. Bolt cutters are not part of an efficient plan for a North American Youth Congress setup. Just not. The battery ran dead on the drill. The the bit got stripped. And I am usually the first one in and one of the first people out at a North American Youth Congress load-in. And I was the first one in and the very last one setting up that year. At one point, Brother Kilman, I literally walked away from the booth in absolute fury. And to protect myself and those who were probably innocent, maybe not, at the booth, I just walked away. (laughs) I was so aggravated. But it was deep in the bowels of Chesapeake Arena, Energy Arena, when the General Youth Division Promotions Director, Reverend Joshua B. Carson, stood to get on the elevator next to me to launch those anointed t-shirts. And he looked at me and said, Chris, do you like what you do? Ever the planner and aware of the fact that this is probably the last event that I would ever do for Indiana Bible College, I said, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, but the students make it worth it. Just like that, it was over. Only it wasn't because deep inside of my soul, I know how God speaks to me, just like you know how God speaks to you. And deep inside of my soul, there was this moment of, you're going to work with him. Unmistakably an impression in my soul from God. Brother Kilman, over the course of that couple of days and through conversations and through everything that transpired over the next couple of months I feel like six years is enough room I thought I'm going to end up working at headquarters I feel like six years is enough time the Reverend Joshua B. Carson asked me if I loved what I do. It's promotions. They're all aging up and out, and there's going to be elections, and they appoint a promotions director, and and I shot T-shirts from the North American Youth Congress stage, and I've been a promotions director for seven years of the largest Bible college in, in, in our movement, and I this might be real. But the invitation never came. And as time and circumstance often happen, the dream was crowded out until last year about this time. When through a series of events, it was made known that Reverend Joshua B. Carson, the Reverend Joshua B. Carson, was going to be preaching at Calvary Tabernacle to try out as pastor. I was on a walk with my son. It was cold outside, freezing cold, ice on the ground. And I said, bud, you don't get a vote, but if you had to, this is before any announcement is made. I had made a nomination for pastor. Nobody had said anything to Corbett. I said, who do you think would be a good pastor? I think, I think Brother Carson would be a good pastor. And I said, is that because of that cute little daughter that he brought to church camp with him? No, no, dad. I said, okay, as long as we got that clear, out of the gate. But here I stand, having forgotten dreams, but following God. 
God speaks to you in a very specific way. I feel like it's been my assignment today to open a space whereby God can do just that, to create a little bit of a reminder here of what he's trying to accomplish in your life. So what I'm asking for you to do is to say, Lord, speak to me. God, I understand that I have hopes and dreams and aspirations, but more than my hopes and more than my dreams and more than my aspirations, God, I want to follow you because I will mess stuff up. I will, I will make wrong decisions and I will, I will make uh, things just terrible, God, but I want to follow you. So young person, young adult, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd open your heart and open your mind to the things that God is speaking directly to you. Build a memorial for the things that he's saying, but don't return to that memorial and turn it into an idol. Rather, follow the dream giver. Follow God in your integrity and do right by God and by people. Expect that there will be circumstances that test your integrity. Expect that there will be times of trial. But understand that when you commit your heart to following God, that it's His responsibility to bring the dreams to fruition. It's your responsibility to follow God. Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us on the IBC podcast. What a great word we just heard from Reverend Chris Henderson. And we have so much more coming up in the next few weeks on the IBC podcast. One of those special episodes that is coming is an interview with Sister Stephanie Gallion and her mentor, Sister Hodges. That's going to be a great episode you can't hear anywhere else but this podcast. If you do also want to catch some of the chapel messages from Reverend Dibble at Theology Conference, Reverend David Brown, and Reverend Jason Gallion. You can catch those early over at the IBC Facebook page where those were live streamed. We're so glad you're here with us. Hope you'll join us next time. God bless.